0: Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical and the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. And today, I am thrilled to welcome Ashley Turner, who is a licensed psychotherapist, yoga teacher, merging science, shadow, and soul, and founder and CEO of the wildly popular training program, Yoga Psyche Soul. Ashley, you are such an example of a modern mystic, truly engage with full participation in this world and modern day age, while very much still a spiritual seeker student, embodying and teaching from the view and vantage point at this very unique sweet spot where business savvy, spirituality, and psychology converge and commingle. This, I feel like, is a very rare combination and you offer it with such poise and intelligence, so I cannot wait for our listeners to hear your answer to the first question, which I ask all my guests, which is, what does it mean to be a modern mystic to you?
1: Well, I love this name, Modern Mystic. When I saw that you were using it on your podcast, I was so excited because I can't remember where I first ever saw the words put together probably years ago, but I thought it was such a perfect description of what we're doing right now. Here we are in the 21st century, living in a modern technological world, many of us in very urban environments. And how do we bring through and reclaim these powerful, spiritual, mystical, esoteric, but truly functional practices from ancient times, you know, from all different traditions. And for me, That's one of the things I love so much about yoga. Of course, I've been teaching yoga for over 20 years. And like yourself, you know, steeped in the practice. And I love that it's that. It's a practice, right? We're not just reading books or studying scriptures. We're really bringing this philosophy, this way of being to life through us. And so whether it's yoga, whether it's the priestess tradition that I come from, Uh, whether it's shamanism or plant medicine that I've worked with, it comes alive through us in us as us in this moment. So we we might have a tendency to think about something, oh, this sort of affinity to the yoga sutras that were written 5,000 years ago or the Bible that was, you know, probably over 2000 years old or at least many of the stories. But the truth is we're alive here and now and, Perennial philosophies, timeless wisdom, the reason it's timeless is because it applies throughout time, throughout all these different incarnations and phases of history. So how are these practices living through us, in us, as us right now, as householders, as parents, as entrepreneurs? Um, How do we adapt them and interpret them for this moment in time? And I think that's really the call for all of us. So beautiful. So beautiful. And,
0: you know, one of the things, and I can't wait to just dive right into it, so I'm going to to have our listeners hear about, is how you are a practicing clinical psychologist. And this unique blend and skill set, as you integrate it into the yoga the mindfulness your trainings i grew up in a divorce situation and one household was a, a home of psychologists and the other steeped with a mystical orientation and so i've always been wildly fascinated where these two paths merge mingle because for such a long time at least during my childhood and early adult years from my experience they were very separate fields and i think thanks to Pioneer, such as really yourself, um, a lot of the modern American mindfulness movement that began with Jon Kabat-Zinn, Sharon Salzberg, the popularity of teachers like Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, you know, there's a new respect for mystical and yoga teachings in the psychological world, which is very modern. And then, you know, respect I've seen vice versa. So can you please speak to where you feel? the intersectionality between mysticism and psychology
1: lives? Hmm. Well, of course, I love that question, because that's my whole ethos. My calling is really this, this Venn diagram, this intersection, as you said, between psychology and spirituality. And the word psyche in Latin actually means soul. And so when we think about psychology, I think in our in our Western world, we often think about it through this lens of the medical system or scientific uh, paradigm. And yet it's really a study. Psychology means the study of. So psychology is the study of the soul or the study of our inner life, the study of psyche, um, the study of consciousness. So when we go and work with a psychotherapist or a psychologist, you know, social worker, we're working on building skills, hopefully strengthening the muscles of our mental, emotional bodies in particular. And there have always been aspects of psychology, the psychological field, different schools or orientations that are oriented towards the spiritual, um, the depth approach to psychology. So I can kind of think of psychology as a spectrum, all these different orientations and uh, fields within the field, and things like transpersonal psychology, Jungian psychology, of course, depth psychology, are really oriented more towards that mystical and sort of overlap into that mystical world or soulful spiritual lens. And so if you're looking at the field of psychology, that's where you could place it, the humanistic movement, um, which is to say that a human being, it has infinite potential. And how do we seek that potential, you know, positive psychology and to a certain degree, but to a larger sense, it's really, you know, my orientation and where I like to sit is we are spiritual beings, We are souls. We are living this ineffable experience Like we can't even describe the vast magic and power of who we are when we just think about life itself. You know, I'm a new mother and I just had my daughter five months ago and watching her every single day. It's part of the beauty of being a parent is that we bear witness to life being born and the evolution and the natural phases of development. And it's awe inspiring, you know, to even take a human life is so rare. It's such a gift. And I was on a long fertility journey. And so it's something I don't take for granted, you know, the precious gift of life and that it doesn't come easily. You know, it really doesn't. Many people, you know, may get pregnant or have children easily, but truly to take a human life is such a rare gift and, to be in the study of that, to be in the study of consciousness and what are we? What are we here to, as these multidimensional beings to be and to f- fully flesh out and explore that experience for me is the overlap of science and spirituality. Is It's both. It's really both. There is a, a science to it. There's the biology, the, the metaphysical aspects of self and consciousness, and there's also a dimension that is in many ways beyond explanation, and that's the spiritual realm. And so how do we hold for both, really the yin and the yang of that? Mm, such a
0: revelatory answer. Yeah, Western psychology, and, and you spoke to it really eloquently, You know, really does lay out a scaffolding and architecture for mm-hmm. understanding our psyches and that mm-hmm. connection of psyche to soul, which I hadn't heard before. So it really is this doorway into our, our soul's. the name Psyche. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love how you spoke of just that presence of parenting and how parenting affords us this appreciation. And I wanted to connect this to another topic, which I really wanted to hear you speak about for our listeners, which is trauma. Because I feel like parenthood. You know, allows us to bear witness, as you mm-hmm. said so beautifully, the experience and evolution and the true amazement and wonderment of what it is to watch a life unfold. Trauma is such another experience that can, for some people, close us off from that experience or can also be a doorway. As Rumi says, the wound is where the light enters. I know Jung said, only the wounded physician heals. How trauma can be also the crack where that light gets in and we can have an experience of also the appreciation of life if we have proper support and practices. So I wondered if you could please speak about, yeah, the convergence of trauma and spiritual communities and mystical practices. Because for myself personally, I've been in the yoga world since I was five and grew up in a household of yoga householders, and then, you know, became a teacher, and it was always part of my life, ran teacher trainings. And really, it hasn't been that long, in my experience, that trauma has really become forefront in the conversation and how we can use spiritual practices to help specifically process and digest trauma. Because, you know, my layperson's understanding, and you can school all of us, is, you know, trauma. And when we have things like PTSD and anxiety and depression, due to traumatic events, often is unprocessed, undigested experience from the intense experience itself that we couldn't do it at the time of the experience. And so it stays with us later. So could you speak to this whole, whole idea?
1: Yeah, so Um, well, such a blessing that you were born into a family of yogis, you know, in the yoga tradition, they say that the greatest gift of a human can receive is to be born into a family of yogis. And I love that. I just want to acknowledge that lineage Mm -hmm. that you have. Um, I think much like birth, death and trauma, any kind of pain, any kind of suffering, it's a doorway. And so these act as, in-depth psychology, which is the kind of psychology that I study very Jungian-based, oriented to Joseph Campbell, and I would say with Joseph Campbell's work, to put it in the perspective of the hero's journey. And Joseph Campbell, many ways, discovered what he called the mono-myth, which is that all different traditions, all different spiritual practices, indigenous practices, are oriented around one myth, and that myth is the hero's journey or the heroine's journey. And so, all different mythologies, ancient stories, everything that we're watching on, you know, with movies, television, reading in great books, all come down to this similar journey of the hero or the heroine, which is that we're called out of our comfort zone. We're called to adventure. We then initially re- resist that adventure. That's a natural response is to resist being pulled out of our comfort zone but we're pulled away from our community out into the dark forest or the sea or whatever the adventure is slash us experiencing something in our life that's very difficult perhaps traumatic and we go on this journey literally but also metaphorically psychologically And we go through many different rites of passage and help arrives in many different forms. We begin to collect different boons along the way, different gifts, different learnings, different teachings, different skills that are forced to develop. And eventually we come back around, we circle all the way back around and return to our tribe. And the, the, End cycle of the hero's journey is what do we give back to our tribe? We return to our tribe with the boom, you know, with the gold that we found or with the medicine or with the potion that we found and we give it back to our community. And so I like to think of this wheel of the hero's journey, the heroine's journey. And by the way, there's a slightly different variation for the feminine experience in the heroine's journey, but I won't get into all of that um, today. But this wheel of experience can help us orient as a a human being, as a person that's navigating very difficult things in our lives. And it helps us to make meaning. And so one of the most important aspects of healing psychologically is that we learn how to make meaning out of these experiences. And from the hero's journey perspective, we make meaning by coming back and being in service to others and saying, hey, this is what I found out there. This is what I experienced. This is what I learned. Let me help you now. Some of you are going through something similar. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I show you a little bit of what I learned along the way? And this is one of the big teachings that I offer in my Yoga Psyche Soul program, because I think it really helps people to orient when very difficult things happen to us. And all of us could probably list two or three core wounds that we've experienced in our lifetime. Some of us are going to have it in the form of illness. Some of us in a family of origin, the situation, trauma, abuse, some of us, perhaps sexual assault, some of us with a diagnosis or someone we love being diagnosed. And how do we make meaning out of that? No one gets out of this life unscathed, right? We're all going to, have our own challenges and journeys along the way. How do we make meaning out of these experiences? And I want to pause and go back to what you said in that the yoga world and, and I would say even way beyond the yoga world, just the general public, the general ethos has only in the last few years really awoken to the epidemic of trauma. And so one definition of trauma, as you mentioned, was anything that happens to us that we, our nervous system in particular, and I would add our psyche, is overwhelmed in that moment. And we can't process all of it. We can't integrate everything that's happening in that moment because it's too intense or for whatever reason. And therefore, we have residual effects. There's an emotion that might be trapped or physical sensation that might be trapped in the body, memory that might be trapped. Um, We might have an experience of dissociation or a whole host of different coping mechanisms that could come online, often unconsciously, to help us get through the acute moment of a traumatic experience happening. But then we need to go back and resolve that, as you said. How do we resolve the trauma? How do we clear that. I can give you one example recently from my life, which it was that when my daughter was born, we ended up in a belly birth with a cesarean and it was not an emergency. It was just a very long labor. I was induced and I just don't think either one of us were ready for her to be born. And so, um, after 40 hours of labor and not much dilation and a lot of work, you know, actually I decided and I talked to my doctor and we came to the conclusion that the next best step was to continue with the cesarean. And so, you know, I have a lot of skills. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm very embodied. I'm, you know, I have studied quite a bit in trauma by no means a trauma expert, but certainly know how to use my breath and went into the room for the cesarean. And again, was not an emergency. There was not like a panic or anything. It was just, okay, this is what's happening. And, you know, as soon as, you know, they gave me the anesthesia, but I was awake, the local anesthesia. And as soon as I think um, the incision was made, my whole body was shaking uncontrollably, which is very common. And they had prepped me for that and said, you're probably going to shake. And I studied some of Peter Levine's work. And I know that shaking, of course, is a trauma response. But this level of shaking was unlike anything I'd ever experienced, you know, to the point where I thought I was going to bite my tongue off. And... It was just a very traumatic experience to have abdominal surgery while you're conscious and it's the birth of your child and, you know, you're waiting for them for that cry. And it just ended up to be much more traumatic than I had ever anticipated. And luckily, I've never been in a hospital or had an operation. So in any case, in that moment and for the next few days and months, my I didn't have the capacity to do some trauma healing work and go back and really integrate it. I was using all my tools along the way. But as I got through that, you know, the next couple of days and then weeks, I realized that was really traumatic. And I think that you mentioned this, which I think is very important when we're talking about trauma. Yes, it's come into the mainstream with the Me Too movement, With Black Lives Matter, thank goodness in the last few years, our whole culture is much more awake to how much collective trauma and inherited trauma people are living with, systemic oppression, we could go on and on, sexual assault, how vast that is, and yet it's such a new conversation And for example, with me with cesarean, I came out of it and had this overlay of thinking, well, so many people get cesarean section. It's so common. And it wasn't an emergency situation. And so there was a tendency for me to think, well, that wasn't really traumatic. And yet, as I sat with it over the weeks postpartum, I realized that was extremely traumatic. I was cut open on a table and conscious and feeling, you know, doctors, you know, pulling and tugging and, and, you know, there's so many other aspects to it that, yes, it's okay. That was traumatic. And so I think there's a way in which our culture is only just now beginning to become more sensitized to how trauma works. And, how many experiences are traumatic and it's totally relative, by the way, also someone else could have a cesarean and really not feel like it was traumatic, you know, but for me it Mm -hmm. was. And so I'm realizing and I'm sitting now with, I know that I need to go back and do some healing work around it to fully integrate it. And one of the ways that, you know, if there's still healing work to be done is if there's a trigger there, if you hear a story or you're thinking about it or um, something else comes up and and you have an emotional response or you have a, a trigger, right? For me, last weekend, I was talking to another friend who had a cesarean first time we were talking about it. And we both were recalling our experience. And as she was talking, I started to get so emotional. And I realized, yes, this is this is really raw for me. There's really some material there that I need to work with probably a trauma resolution therapist. Um, there's a sexological body worker that I know works on cesarean scars. So all these kind of things that I realized, which I already had known, but that there's work for me to do there. And so it's not a big deal. You know, work is doing inner work or shadow work. It doesn't have to be a heavy trip. It's just actually, I would say, part of our responsibility in taking ownership in our lives and saying, okay, this experience happened. And so what do I need to do to heal it, to release it, to integrate it? And by the way, to help make meaning of it. Hmm. And, you know, then the other piece of it was I then was the very same day, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, talking to another friend or texting another girlfriend who had just had a baby. And she was telling me her birth story we were texting and she said oh my gosh it was also her first child and it was so easy I was in labor for five hours I didn't realize how far along I was I got to the hospital by the time I got there his head was coming out and he was born an hour later you know and so between the two of them the cesarean story and then this story I realized oh there's there's a grief there you know I would have loved to have that second birth experience and have it vaginal birth and quick and easy and So anyway, the point is just to have no shame around whatever our experience is. And some of you listening right now have had very big traumatic events. And I want to just say that it's all relative and it's all what it means for us. Again, two people could have a similar experience and very different responses to that. And no one's right or wrong, better or worse. It's just for us to know ourselves and to do that healing work and so trauma or pain or suffering or death is a portal it's a portal in to psyche it's a portal into that precious raw magical world of the soul and it's at the end of the day the conversation the work is all you and you you know and I say like you you're you're human self and you your spiritual self or some people would maybe say your, you know lower mind and higher mind like how do you integrate all of these different facets of who you are and allow for all of them no part of you is better or worse right or wrong and allow that expression so we're living as an integrated being we're living we've done the work of the thresholds of initiation It's a term from depth psychology for sure, childbirth for most people, both being born as a child and for women and, and partners, men or other partners who are there bearing witness and part of that birthing process is certainly a threshold of initiation, as is death. Um, and very important that we honor these milestones, that we create ways to fully integrate. One of the best ways to do that is through ritual There's so many different ways, but it helps the psyche to make meaning of it, to integrate it, to reclaim it Mm. as your own. So it was a long, long story, but
0: hopefully that. Thank you so much. First of all, I just honor your journey and your story for being so authentic and vulnerable so other people can benefit. So thank you. And what a story. Mm. And It's really something that I feel like myself, because I'm a mom of three and had some very dynamic birth experiences, (laughs) to put it mildly. And what I noticed postpartum, and even, you know, I had a major car accident, you know, with that, even when I was in the yoga world, was that if one is conscious, then one can really carpe diem on the benefit of we're in this modern day age and we can really curate our own healing path and process. Like you mentioned, you know, you have ideas about where to go and how you want to support yourself and then you'll see. And the thing about being a modern mystic is we, those who have the privilege of time and resources and finances, of course, is a part of that, still have this knowledge and this information age wellspring of things we can research to really Dj our practices and our healing experience. So because I remember after some of my traumas, it was like the asana practice that I had done so intensely wasn't really helping and sometimes was making my emotional and psyche experience mm-hmm. feel, badly and and really exacerbating anxiety and things like that and so that was really new for me where being embodied prior to those experiences was not always the case and so for me different times it was moving towards different practices and and testing and tasting them in as part of my healing journey
1: yeah absolutely I can attest to that as well the strong vinyasa practice I came out of was certainly not the medicine (laughs) for for postpartum, but it is it is important, I think, to find whatever your way is to work with the body. And that's one big aspect of, I would argue, depth psychology, but certainly as a modern mystic is to address the multidimensional self. And there's certain tools that will be helpful for the emotional body and certain tools that are helpful for the mental body or the mind and certain tools and practices that will really help the body to integrate. And the body is such a portal because our consciousness, it's, I had someone really call me out a while ago. I was, I was interviewing this beautiful man, um, expert in Australia on yoga psychology. And he said, you keep talking about body and mind, but it's not two things. It's one, we need to change our vernacular to body mind. You know, so consciousness lives in the body, as the body, as it's alive. We can't deny or minimize the experience of our our senseate self, our physical body. In fact, that is one of the most profound ways that we can heal. And I think it's really important that people find tools. You know, whether it's body work or exercise or being in nature. Yoga, of course, acupuncture, the list goes on, that can help you to integrate and rebalance the nervous system for sure, self-regulate through the nervous system, but also to integrate these physical experiences. And there's so much science around trauma resolution, Peter Levine's work, of course, polyvagal nerve theory, um, which are really important tools. And that's something that our culture, again, I think is just recently perhaps in the last couple, decade or two, really understanding how important it is to move through the body in order to truly resolve things on the mental, emotional level.
0: Yeah, so true. I think, like you said, it is it is nascent and it's budding and it's beginning. And that's so exciting. And as you also stated, and it, we have a long way to go with it. It's just beginning. and. Yeah, I can't wait to see, you know, in the next decade where it takes us because yes. it's it's really already, I think, normalized so much for so many. And as you yeah. spoke of, really this whole notion of eradicating shame, which I, I really want to go back to, because I think that is such a paramount, important aspect of of the work. Like you said, honoring really what is alive and what is is for each individual. And I wanted to talk about that as well in relationship to shadow work, which you mentioned, which I'm a huge fan of, for our listeners, just to contextualize it, shadow work was, it's quote unquote, discovered linked to the great psychologist, Carl Jung, the psychologist of the unconscious, the way I like to think about it, it's about the inner parts of ourselves that we can't see, like a shadow is an outline. So we might see it, but If the sun, which in this analogy is awareness, if the sun isn't out, we don't see it. And then if the sun is out again in this circumstance, we do see it, but we see a shadow, not in a literal form. And this can be analogous of what happens in our psyche, like the behaviors, the qualities that are really dominating how we're acting and running the show that we don't necessarily see And the people, of course, closest to us in our life, like our romantic partners, our family, often they can see the details of the shadow that we can't. And a key part of the practice, at least in my experience, is this notion of eradicating shame, because we all have weaknesses, we all have gifts and talents and growth edges. And we can also explore and discover through this work, which behaviors are really dominating that we're not even aware of. So. Could you add your thoughts and wisdom on what you view as shadow work in your practice and how you offer it?
1: I love that analogy of the sun being awareness. I've never heard it explained quite like that. And that's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. The light of our awareness that can then help identify and illuminate the shadow. I would say, and you're absolutely right on everything that you mentioned, the shadow is parts of our consciousness that are unconscious, that for what various reasons have been maybe cut off or extricated aspects of ourselves could be memories, could be behaviors, could be limiting beliefs, thoughts um, that have been pushed into, one analogy is the underworld or the unconscious. It's been pushed into our unconscious, beyond our awareness. And so the work of consciousness or the aim, let's say, of Jungian psychology, similar to the aim of yoga, wholeness is healing. We're aiming to integrate all these different aspects of self. We're aiming to, I I really like to think of the trivial pursuit piece, those of you that Mm -hmm. remember that game. And it's like a circle with all these different pie shapes. And so you're going around and you're reclaiming all these different pie shapes, all these different... Gemstones, and you're pulling them back into your the crown jewels, right? And you're reclaiming these aspects of yourself. And it's a process of discovery. It's a process of uncovering, much like another analogy, sort of Hansel and Gretel, and there're these little stones along the way, or little breadcrumbs along the way that help us to take the next step and go in this direction and turn around that corner and identify where is our shadow. One term for this is called shadow tracking. How do we track our shadow? And that's a term I, I learned from my colleague and dear sister, Sienna Sherman, um, co-founder of Urban Priestess with me.
0: Yes, our guest might remember her from episode four, the awe-inspiring Siana who spoke of working with story, myth, and our emotions. Episode four, if you haven't heard that one, definitely go back and check this revelatory episode out. We talk about emotions in this episode, in relationship to the yoga tradition, and how this intersectionality, as Ashley and I are speaking of, psychology and Western mindfulness living. Combined with Eastern philosophy, meet and commingle.
1: Shadow tracking or doing shadow work is being in a constant phase. It's not, you know, I used to think in my early years I was going to get somewhere. There'd be some point in time when, like, I'd be healed and I'd have discovered my shadow, and that was it, you know? It's not like that. It's an endless journey, you know, being alive as a human. And that's the metaphor, of course, of the lotus flowers, this thousand petaled flower blossoming endlessly that we're always on this path of self-discovery. So some of the ways that I like to do shadow work, again, definitely working through the body. You know, I mentioned those were a couple of really good examples of what happened for me literally last weekend was talking to My one friend that had the cesarean. My other friend that had a a really quick birth. I don't want to say easy because I don't know that any birth is childbirth is easy. But um, I, I felt a visceral pang in my body, and so we want to carry the layer of the witness mind, the awareness that we can always turn on the witness mind and be observing ourselves in a non-judgmental way every moment of the day. So we have this layer, almost like a bird's eye view. So I'm in the moment and I'm talking to my friend and what what's literally happening is unfolding. But I'm also aware that as she's speaking, I'm getting emotional. I'm feeling sensation in my body. I'm reliving my own cesarean. So these experiences are percolating up to the surface of my awareness of my experience. So that to me is those breadcrumbs it's Hmm. showing me Ah, here's some things to explore here's some things for you to work to integrate and so we can use the body we definitely want to look at sensation in the body when we get quote-unquote triggered another great way to identify your shadow is to notice when you're out in the world like who or what triggers you Is it someone that just cut you off on the freeway? Is it one of my triggers is the rebel that doesn't like to be controlled? And so anytime I feel like someone's trying to tell me what to do, this sort of fuck you attitude comes out. And I'm like, don't tell me (laughs) what to do. So that's me getting triggered. So there's something there. So I would go back and say, okay, what is that? Where does that come from? And one way to do that is to think about what was the first time? One of my teachers, Mona Miller, would call it time traveling, or you could try to identify what we might call the core wound. What was the first time or one of the biggest times that I felt controlled or I felt like someone was trying to tell me what to do? And then you want to start to explore that and unpack that. And what was your response to that? And why does that bother you so much? And so that's some of the psychological work that Mm, you can do.
0: That was so, so helpful and so many gems in there for our listeners to unpack. I mean, you you mentioned it earlier, and I speak of this in several of my different podcast episodes, that a whole idea that mind-body should be one word. In my understanding, in many languages in the East, there is one word for mind-body. It's just one word. And how that wonderful book, The Body Keeps Score, and that whole idea, like you're saying, the body mm-hmm. tells us so much information. And that's really speaks to my choosing the verbiage for this podcast modern mystic it's like how to be the embodied modern in our bodies present day mystic and another thing that is an idea you mentioned earlier and I want to tie into the shadow work because I found it so helpful it's just as Jung calls the idea of the tension of opposites within our hearts and our psyches. And you spoke to this when you spoke beautifully about your birth experience. And and just as mystics, I think a lot of the time, you know, many of us have been practicing a long time or are very committed to our practices, even if it's a shorter time, and have, in yoga, it's called upeksha, the Sanskrit word, this eagle eye vision that you can see what's happening. And like you said so beautifully, like I know people with birth experiences, you know, can have a lot more complications, right? So we have this understanding from our practices and this aspect to be the witness and say, okay, Uh, Your example of traffic, you know, being in traffic and someone's running off the road or something, you know, in a a way that's aggressive and you're saying, okay, there's, you know, God or goddess within them, bless them, they're having a bad day, like you can talk to yourself. (laughs) And that's one reality. But if we cut ourselves off, like you said, from the experience, if that's a trigger for you, and aren't really in touch with how it's affecting you physically, if it's, you know, connected to anything from your past, and we brush that aside, right, then we're not really doing that deeper psychological work. And I think that's a pitfall often of many people on the mystical path and various traditions. And I love this idea Young talks about the tension of opposites. And maybe you could speak a little bit about that but just this idea that like, you know, you can be married to someone in love with them, but then they really push your buttons and there are moments where you think you might leave them, you know, and, and how psychological and really spiritual maturation is feeling in our bodies, hearts, psyches, all of it, and holding space for all of it. And then ultimately there could be a resolution that arises or it gets integrated and we just hold space for all of it. It's the opposite. It's like in the yoga, sun, moon, masculine, feminine. So yeah. Do you have anything to add to,
1: to that? Yeah. It's such a, it's such an important analogy. It's such an important map. I think mm. for people in this modern day, to really grok I love that word, grok. And one of my teachers, Rambas, always uses it kind of from the 70s. But <laughs> it means like you really get it, to really grasp this concept of the union of the opposites or as Jung called a union of the opposites is a yogic term. The tension of the opposites is a Jungian term. Either way, what we're seeking to understand is that both-and approach. Mm. Both are true at the same time. We have to understand that we live in a Western culture, modern culture, part of the downfall, as you said, to the modern culture is that we have grown up in a dualistic paradigm, in a mechanistic paradigm, which means sort of cause and effect. This happens and then that happens. And also the Cartesian split. And this was from the... French philosopher Descartes, who famously said, I think, therefore I am. And in that moment, society took that as a norm that split the body-mind and began to split everything into this bifurcation of right and wrong, left or right, feminine, masculine, yin, yang, you know, forward, backwards, all, all of these opposites. But the truth, as we know, is it takes both. You can't have life without the sperm and the egg. You can't just have one. You can't have summer without winter. So what we're seeking is the relationship between, you know, the the both Mm. and. And we have to be very careful as modern day human beings because we are constantly conditioned to categorize things. And part of it is the nature of the brain to catalog things, to classify things to help understand and, and, and filter through. But as I love the term spiritual, psychological maturation for us to grow into the next evolution or growth ring or phase of development psychologically is to understand that both are true at the same time. And that right there gives us so much liberation because You can be, for example, the birth of my daughter. Of course, yes, it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And it was in the same exact instant, the most magnificent experience of my life. And that's so often true. Um, My father passed away a couple of years ago, and I luckily was able to be with him and really walk him and midwife him through that journey. Hmm. It's a cancer journey. And I was with him for the last few months of his life. And while it was the most devastating experience, we were very close. He's an amazing man. It was also simultaneously the most vivid, awe-inspiring, magical experience because it was so effervescent. And it was so deep for us as a family and to be in service in that way awakens a whole other level of awareness you know so when we're in those moments and we're up against our most raw self it's very surreal often when we go into these experiences but it also wakes us up to the magic of life to this realm that is ineffable so it is the both and and the more we can honor that and hold the space for that one of the key understandings of the tension of the opposites from Jungian psychology is there's this tension that pulls that literally is the tension that creates the universe. In Tantra, we call it the warp and the wolf, that tension that creates the universe, that tension of the yin and the yang. But one of Carl Jung's great discoveries was what's called the transcendent function that you gave a great example, which I also love to use a romantic relationship. We, we love him. I hate him. I mean, it's that old grade school. Like I, you know, he loves me. He loves me. Not. He, loves me he loves me not. Like, I mean, I feel that way in my relationship all the time. You know, I, I love him. I love him not, you know, it's like, he's amazing. We, we have this beautiful family and oh my God, he drives me nuts. We're fighting, you know, or do we want to break up or should we get divorced? You know? So, Can we allow space for that and even explore that and understand what's behind it? Allow ourselves to live in the in-between, the nebulous, the gray area, whatever you want to call it. And the more we hold the tension of the opposites, eventually, Carl Jung discovered, a third option will present itself. And that is called the transcendent function. Eventually, us holding space, us not knowing You might be in a marriage for years and not know and feel like, I love this person, but I don't know if I want to be married to them the rest of our lives. You might get separated. You might come back together. Many of us have had that experience. It doesn't mean you're not in the right relationship. It doesn't mean you should break up or you should stay together. The journey is the destination. And the more we can hold space for the tension of the opposites at some point in time, a third entity will arise. And it will become clear. Yes, this is our next step. Ah, wow. I could never have guessed. This is what we're supposed to do. Or this is my next pivot in my career. But it requires us to sit in very uncomfortable times. And as a culture, we're horrible at that. We have built up all of these systems to anesthetize ourselves to the discomfort of holding the tension of the opposites. And it's called tension for a reason. It's tense. It's not easy, you know? It's not easy to sit in the unknown. We like to have things crystal clear, but very rarely are they crystal clear. And so the spiritual journey, the journey of the mystic is to be in curiosity, is to be in not knowing, is to learn how to be comfortable and reside in the not knowing. Mm. So
0: gorgeous. And I love that term that you mentioned, transcendent function, that third experience that can birth and and blossom when we hold space for the seemingly opposite experiences and feelings and tension, so to speak, that the prefix trans means beyond, across, and then the verb skander it's it's the end of that transcendence word means to climb so it speaks to what you said it's the journey it's 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 you know and that's the spiritual tradition speak as well all of the practices the mystic does is the means and the goal and uh
1: right Right, exactly and and I love thank you for the etymology of transcendence because it really is that we are then evolving into a new level of awareness one of my teachers my priestess ariel skillsbury would say it's a new growth ring you have launched into a new orbit you know it's a whole different paradigm when you allow yourself to sit in that unknown and when you then experience the transcendent function all of a sudden you have a new awareness and you're not even asking the same questions they don't even apply in that next orbit it's a different paradigm for whatever the scenario is. And, and a big key to that is how you make meaning, right? So making meaning of a, a cancer journey or death or a fertility journey or whatever it might be that all of you listeners are dealing with, how can we begin to see things through the eyes of spirit, through the eyes of the mystic? And so we begin to ask very different questions. And it's not why me, it's what am I here to learn? What are this what are the soul lessons, the spiritual teachings that I'm here to learn? And how can I bring back and be in service because of those lessons and teachings? Mm,
0: so I love you tying that back to the hero or heroine's journey. How how can we emerge, like Ashley's saying? So eloquently and then you know really offer the unique medicine that only we have to give to the world because of our trauma because of our shadows because of all those things that make us completely unique we're the only ones who can do it if we really like you said bring consciousness to all of it Mm, such a gorgeous conversation wow I
1: I know, I'm so grateful. I just love your
0: eloquence. I love your reverence. Would you be willing to leave us with a parting few sentences, a benediction,
1: a blessing as we close? Sure, my honor, of course. Well, I'd love to invite everyone to sit tall or stand tall if you're standing. If you'd like to close your eyes, you can. Of course, if you're driving, don't. You certainly don't have to close your eyes. You might roll the shoulders around a couple of times, the head and neck, just coming into your body in whatever way feels good for you. Coming to rest, perhaps with both hands on your belly, perhaps one hand on your belly, one hand on your heart. You might take a chosen mudra or hand position, hands on your knees or thighs. But do choose a place for your hands And feel your hands extending your own loving kindness towards yourself. And I'd love to simply pray for ourselves, to simply honor the journey that you have been on, that each and every one of us has been on, to apply that reverence to our own life. You might look back as if you're watching a highlight reel of a movie of your life. You might see those two or three core wounds, sacred wounds, soul lessons along the way. Maybe you have more. And as you're here, just noticing your breath, nice and free, deep belly breaths. The path of life is winding. It's very mercurial. It's mysterious. It's much more like a labyrinth in a straight line and can I enjoy and appreciate the winding paths and even what might seem like dead ends on my journey and invite in those tender places as our greatest teachers invite in many of those wounds Healed or unhealed, raw, integrated, however they might arise. And the name to yourself, identify as you look back two or three skills that you developed, awareness that you have been forced to develop because of those experiences. Maybe it's patience, maybe it's resilience, strength, courage, compassion, forgiveness. Noticing what was bred from those experiences. example with my fertility journey that I was on for well over a decade I would say I definitely don't take for granted my daughter I definitely don't take for granted even the most difficult moments I like to think I have a compassion and a patience and appreciation when things don't come easily we it brings our gratitude into high relief So maybe you can identify one or two things that has been brought into high relief because of your journey. And really acknowledge and appreciate your efforts, how you have shown up, the fact that you're even listening to this podcast right now. You are on a soulful journey. You are inquiring, self-reflective. And so we'll end by Gratitude, can bring your hands together at the heart and bow towards these practices of all different traditions. Whatever your healing tools are, whatever your studies have been, bowing to those that have come before, bowing to those who have helped hone these practices, tools, skills, teachings, and bowing in gratitude that they've crossed our path. These seeds, these aegis of awareness have been planted inside of us so bowing to that luck to that great gift and may each and every one of us be in higher service be in service to all beings and that doesn't have to be a lofty thing it might be just you being more present at home more compassionate with your loved ones more compassionate and loving with yourself so gratitude for your journey gratitude for the skills the attributes that have unfolded and been developed within you, gratitude to these practices and your teachings and the teachers who brought them forward and wrapping it all up with a bow and a prayer of being in service. Never more needed than this moment right now on this planet. Everyone needs you living your highest, best self, living and helping them. Yeah, this planet is in crisis. So may your very being be a salve of compassion, of love, of hope. Thank you. Namaste. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Ashley, you are a salve of compassion and love and hope. And your words today for sure have imparted those sentiments to all our listeners. Where can folks find you to learn more about your potent work in this world, including
1: your wildly popular training? Oh, thank you so much. Well, my website is CO. And you can find a lot of my work there, my blogs and different resources and my training. You can find there, but you can also go to yoga-psychology.co, yoga-psychology.co. And on all social platforms, I'm Ashley Turner and the number one, Ashley Turner one. There's a lot of Ashley Turners. I always get second. (laughs) one. (laughs) So it's Ashley Turner one on Instagram. Um, Twitter, wherever you are. But yeah, ashleytwinter.co and yoga-psychology.co. Thank you so much.
0: Ashley has put together an extraordinary yoga therapy toolkit just for my Patreon supporters. This free guide is a holistic, step-by-step protocol to identify, uproot, and break through your insecurities and self-sabotaging behaviors. Plus, get the tools to help your clients and students do the same. So consider becoming a Patreon supporter, everyone. At even the $5 level, you can get so many amazing discounts and goodies from my guests, from me, and also you can donate at the $10, $30, and $50 levels and get even more enhanced things. So go on over to patreon.com slash modern Well, Ashley, you have truly blessed us with enormous amounts of energy, insight, and internal sacred threads to pull on. So, thank you for your important work in this world that is helping to really shift the landscape of the Western yoga and spiritual communities by integrating the awareness and practices of psychology and also Ashley is a powerhouse business goddess so if you want to learn about business which (laughs) we didn't have time to get into maybe someday we'll be blessed enough to have you back to talk about that but if you are a business um, savvy person or you want to be check her out for her trainings and wisdom on downloads on that as well I just love it thank you Ashley
1: thank you so much it's such a pleasure thank you all for listening just such an honor to be here
0: namaste Namaste. thank you for taking these words in I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path if you like what you heard please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening also check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modern mystic love where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website modernmystic.love where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives one breath at a time. Namaste.